0: Hello, this is the HSJ Health Check podcast, I'm Annabelle Collins and this week I'm joined by HSJ Deputy Editor Dave West and guest Thea Stein, Chief Executive of the Nuffield Trust, two months into the job after moving from Leeds Community Healthcare Trust, which she led for nine years. Thea has worked across the third sector, public health and commissioning and began her NHS career as a clinical psychologist, working in homelessness and drug and alcohol services. Thea, thanks very much for joining us today. Um, I wanted to start by asking you about the move from running an NHS trust to running a think tank, which is is quite unusual. Um, and I think that the, the thread that sort of runs through your career is that you've always worked really closely with clinicians and those directly providing care in various different settings. Um, so how have you found it meeting more with politicians and those more involved with policy rather than clinicians?
1: Oh that's a really interesting question. Um, In some ways it's very different and in some ways it's exactly the same because it's about having conversations where you're wanting to make things change or you're wanting to improve things. So, So my point of view is, and I think where I've come from whether or not it was in my clinical career, my know leadership career and i've led an economic development agency which i have to say also took me into contact a lot with policy makers and politicians it was it's always been with the desire to to make things better to change things to 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 improve the way in which services are run if you're if you're running a trust and if you're running the nuffield trust it's about how policy is created and how policy impacts and how 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 that policy environment frames the 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 work of, of of a trust. To me it's a bit like, you know, one of those pictures where you're zooming out and you're zooming out and you're zooming out. I'm I'm just at a different point,
0: but in the same picture. Mm. Um no that's interesting. And I and I think when you when you started your new role at the Nuffield Trust, were there things that you really wanted to get stuck into or um, bring to the, the forefront more that perhaps weren't weren't already? I think it would be
1: true to say that I couldn't help but bring my passion for primary and community services and for that whole space. Um, If there's a phrase I want to ban both from the Nuffield Trust and actually from the health policy debate in, in totality, it is that phrase out of hospital. Um, I, I, I mean, you know, the three of us are not sitting out of hospital. We're, we're just, you know, doing our lives, getting on with our lives, living our lives. Um, and, and, and I think the phrase out of hospital may sound a bit trite, but I think the phrase in so many ways actually crystallizes the fact that our viewpoint, our viewpoint as a health service, or as a policy debate is often the hospital first and everything else which is, is proximal to it. And and I do bring a passion for saying hospitals are amazing, fantastic, brilliant places that will save your life and do incredible things. But the health and social care policy environment is is not out of hospital. It is very different. So so I'd like to ban that. So I bought my my passion for that. There. What's your
2: alternative? Uh, Sorry, what's your alternative? if we if we, or the two out of hospital
1: we're just in the just community community services primary care social care anything that just isn't a conversation that references the hospital as the point you know when you live in your life or if you have a relative who's currently um uh getting better at home recovering at home after they've had a stroke after they've had cancer you know you may well have relatives in your in or family who are doing that you don't think oh i'm off to see grandma today and out of hospital you you just don't. Absolutely. No. See, well, we don't we don't, her... non, or, or yeah, we don't refer like to that, each other
2: as non non patients <laughs> or no, Yeah, we
1: don't refer I... to each other as non patients.
2: No, I try to talk about people as people or citizens exactly. in, in our copy where we do. I think it's interesting with GP patient lists. You know, it's a patient list. Well, it's all about 800, eight hundred, eight thousand people who live around here. They're not mostly not patients, are they? La- but, language uh...
1: matters. Language matters. Language matters a huge amount. Um, the words we choose and how we use those words help frame our consideration, our our reflection, our debate. You know, they they really matter. So, but I
2: think because the the tempt the reason people are going for are so tempted to say out of hospital in the ways. I mean, it's it's good that people are wanting to talk about that thing, but well, know, of course, it's gra- not a
1: thing anyway, is it? It's not a thing. <laughs> It's, no. it's, it's a whole range of, of services and interactions and places in which we live. And the majority of our lives for the majority of us and the way in which our health and well-being will be created and sustained will be everything from the green spaces we walk in, the food we have access to, the leisure centre we can go to the primary care that wraps around us, our pharmacy, et cetera, et cetera. And there is just a a point of view around the importance of that. And it's the importance of that that is occasionally we will be in a hospital. That's a bad moment in our lives. Something's gone horribly wrong and we're there. And that's a small part of our whole health and care experience for most of us clearly for, for for some people it's a very significant part of their lives um yeah you know i always say you know your outpatient clinic is my community clinic it's another way in which language frames the way we think of flow you know the 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 fact that we are obsessed with discharge from hospital more than we are obsessed with admission avoidance it's it's not incomprehensible why why we've got to where we've got to, but it's something to explore. So, sorry, I've gone down, but you you asked me, you know, what do I bring? I certainly bring a passion for for that space. I bring a a real curiosity and desire to understand the way in which access to healthcare is differential, depending on um, a whole range of factors. And I think that we have as a, an NHS community spent quite a bit of time and, and quite rightly understanding and, and being awakened to social inequalities in health and the social determinants of health. And so we are really aware of things like housing. We all know, you know, the child living in the house with the damp walls, who's in our respiratory clinic, you know, every month. And we we just feel if only we could do something about the housing. And and, and, and that's really important that we all that we all share that understanding and that concern. But there is an awful lot that is within the control of the NHS that we continue not to do. And that we continue not to dig into. And I think we ought to. And I'm really interested in how we research that and we do that more. What's
2: your top of your hit list there in, in just a bit more detail on those, those well, things the NHS so, should be doing? So one
1: of the things that, that I started doing before I left um, Leeds Community Healthcare Trust was really understanding all our do not attend data by ethnicity and deprivation. Really simple. It's not actually really simple, but it's it's simple enough. And if you look at your do not attend data, and I don't know if we've ever looked at it at a national level, I don't know if we've understood that across the service area or even across the trust, but it's something I'm really interested in. So if you look at your do not attend data, you will see that you will have an interaction with ethnicity, with deprivation, um, with a whole range of factors. So, so you could look at a service and I have, and go oh, my do not attend rates quite low crack on aren't doing really well. But what if everybody who isn't attending comes from the poorest part of your city? Then you've got a significant problem. And what's marvellous is you've got a significant problem you could do something about. You can think about it. You can do something about it. Most of us are very gridlocked about how we really leverage change in some of those deep, deep social inequalities in health. You know, I can't change the bus routes in Leeds to make the bus routes work with my health clinics. But I can make damn sure that I run clinics at a time that now link with the bus routes and are able to serve disadvantaged groups. So so I think there's There's a lot we can do around health inequalities that we sometimes don't do. And of course, I'm really interested in being in a space by being at the Nuffield Trust where I'm both surrounded by amazing people who do amazing things and and have got enormous skill. And to be able to talk out openly about some of those big issues in the health service that we've all been talking about, but I talk about it from that different viewpoint, workforce
0: finance to take to. Mm. Um and you mentioned um one of the things that you're interested in is kind of looking at discharge and not well not just looking at discharge but also looking at um I suppose prevention. I wonder if that's something that you were also able to to tackle in your in your time at Leeds.
1: Yeah we well we did we did quite a lot of work in Leeds um, uh, all partners together. Um, looking at, as, as most systems are doing, have done, will do, looking at the issues of delayed discharges in the hospital. And of course, like with most things, if you start somewhere and follow it everywhere, if you really unpick that, you come to a lot of threads around social care provision, around community service provision, around um, ambulances, around the way you're telephones, everything, you come to a whole range of issues. Carer breakdown, you come to a whole range of issues. And we did a really comprehensive piece of work in Leeds as a group of partners. And, And I left it when it was sort of three quarters of the way through, really understanding what was going on in our system and unpicking it. And the most, I think one of the most important things in that piece of work was when we, identified a set of data that we all agreed was one version of the truth and then we could really start working with that because most systems and most of my experience over years would also be that you could look at data and you'd go oh i don't think that's quite right because really what happens there is that and that and so you're in a defensive state of mind because it's very very stressful. Leading a a trust is a pretty stressful job for, 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 for everybody. It's really stressful. And you feel under huge pressure and you want to perform and you want to do the right thing. But that gets in the way sometimes of being able to sit down honestly and go, yeah, looking at those figures, I'm not doing very well, am I? We're not working in the way we should be. That's hard. That's really hard. But in Leeds, we got to a point where with a set of figures, we were able to go, that's true. Those figures are true. And we can understand them and, and, and you, know, you all know, Julian Hartley was my close colleague there, who's now NHS providers, rather strangely, we both moved to, to these jobs at similar times, and, and Julian and I and, and, and other colleagues in Leeds could sit and look at those figures and go, those are true. And now you can do real work. Uh, and we did do some really interesting work as a result of it. And, and I know that's ongoing. You, I've, I've
2: heard a um, you know the, a, a tale of, of of kind of of positive um, practice from from Leeds, which I think over the past. I mean, there's many numerous positive things are cited in Leeds. It's become one of those uh, the place, really, hasn't it, where where good stuff, especially around integration and collaboration, is is is. Um, Kind of uh, c- comes out of them I as often so, attributed, yeah. and um, uh, which is obviously you know could attribute to yourself and to Julian and, and others there. Um, but the, w- one of the things in particular was that, that a couple of people have cited is is that you, you as a system were able to uh, kind of take beds out of the acute hospital and and invest it in social care instead. Or I don't know which came first. Or which it's or is, is that a bit of that. an exaggeration? Because- yeah, it's not simple. as simple
1: as that. It's, yeah, I mean, yeah. and 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 that's where the danger is often in these in these in this in this in this, in this policy space is the simplistic uh, assumption that you can close acute beds and you can put money into primary community services. As we know nationally, we're an underbedded service. I mean, that's something that the Nuffield Trust has done much um, research on over the years and done international comparator work on. So Leeds is no exception to that. You can look at the extra beds that were open during COVID. You can look at the extra beds that are open during winter. And whilst we have been able to close some of the extra, extra surge beds, fundamentally, it's still an incredibly pressurised system where you're talking about bed occupancy as being over 90 percent. But what we were able to do was to make a really systematic and, and rooted in our partnership decision to put money into social care. And, and as we know, that's not something that the NHS has necessarily done until the last few years, actually. I think you, you do have other systems of doing that. So we put money into social care to both raise the, um, the amount of money per hour social care workers were, were getting in terms of, 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 of what was commissioned out and also for, for extra beds and extra social workers. And again, it started with rigorous analysis. It started with the rigorous analysis that demonstrated the evidence that showed us this is what we should do, just like the Nuffield work.
2: It must be quite hard to <laughs> to to have that evidence if you're not going to be able to release the cost. Or I think possibly people cited community hospital beds as well, as in what you know shifting away from that yeah, bed-based I mean, I community model was that part of it. It
1: is really difficult because I mean it's one of the it's one of the difficulties that's at the root of the national debate around this because there is a there is a fantasy, I would say there is a fantasy that if you are going to make brilliant, extraordinary primary and community services, you will be able to close a great many beds. Well, you may be able to close some, and you may be able to close some in overbedded areas, but you have to put that policy position against an, an international comparator understanding that we maybe don't have enough beds. There are some systems internationally that have made significant changes to their bed base, but the level of investment they have in primary and community is extraordinary. You know, we we would be on a trajectory. i sure yes. you can do it, but you're not talking about fiddling at the margins.
2: And at, at the, at, you know, in theory, at some point, you would get to the point, get to a yeah, place where you'd be able you to take out to beds. But at the minute, there's a huge um, kind of wave of or, or, or reservoir yeah. of unmet I, I'm, need. For I'm beds an expert bed, basically. At this, but I, no, I was
1: talking yeah. to somebody recently who, who is very expert. And certainly, they talked about systems in the world where they are at that tipping point, where they've done that. But there also is the significant investment in capital uh, in terms of digital infrastructure and really profoundly um, embedded new ways of working that go alongside this. And again, it goes back to the fact that the simplistic policy position of you do the work, you close the bed, you invest in primary community services at a quite low level. It just doesn't work and add up. Alas.
2: So you have to have to be investing in both for a, for a while.
1: You do, you do. And you have to really look at the international work that explains to you at what level and at what volume you have to be investing in this community primary care and digital and tech infrastructure to make significant change.
2: Mm-hmm. And do you, I wondered we sort of got into this kind of kind of talking about the um community and primary and and services and integration and the, one other thing about Leeds is you kind of been for these reasons we've talked about have been in, through the various uh, kind of waves of um, of initiatives national sort of integration yeah. initiatives you know at pioneer uh, I think I forget the oh we've been everything pioneers there, we've been previously, pioneers and bloody then... blahs
1: and bloody blahs, yes. Being and do all.
2: yeah so in that uh, uh, context, do you you know do you see any of that really making any any difference? The latest you know the latest wave is the sort of your whole kind of system place neighborhood stuff um. I, I
1: I've always been I mean I'm very interested and in, it's something the Nuffield are very interested in is this the the research and the theory around integration and how it works or how it doesn't work or when it fails and how it works. One of the things that I'm keen on in terms of shifting some of the integration debate and integration understanding is really looking at some of the very granular, quite Can be seen very boring reasons that integration becomes hard or becomes challenging and complex and it's my experience because i've worked in this space now for a very long time in a variety of jobs but also i think looking at at the research so i'm a great um you know without a doubt we wouldn't start from here would we nobody would design a system like this nobody would you, you wouldn't you wouldn't we all land on mars we're not going to go tell you what let's set up social care over here let's set up primary care with a completely different business model over here let's put just wouldn't do it okay that's a great idea let's let's design that in mars we just wouldn't do it we would want to design something that had health at its heart in a different way and we would want to design something that was far more integrated and yet so the vision i never want to go to another meeting again where what we discuss is what the vision is for integrated care and I just ne- I never want to do that because that bit's easy. Not because it's not important, because it's it's really easy. And, and so and the vision is really important and it's and it's right. But what makes it complicated is how you make it happen, how you're going to make it happen. And examples are, you know, I spent nine years trying to integrate community services and primary care teams. Really, really working hard at it. It's really challenging because there are things that get in the way, like employment practice, like terms and conditions, like the money you are offering somebody, like the fact that if you are a community matron, Dave, working with me, and you now go in an integrated team to work with Annabelle, who's running the primary care integrated team, and you think oh, that's great, it's great work, you've lost your continuity of service. That makes a huge difference to you. Personally.
2: So do I, you know, I am, um, you know, I, I I sense that you're you're resisting, resistant to easy answers. But uh, but the, the obvious question is, so should we not try and set about? No, no, um, no. If, no. if there is political it. capital, change the business model. Not, we not have to not do, do it. it but, uh, but, but we do have you, to do
1: it. But, but we have you are... to understand that it isn't about easy visionary statements.
2: many people would say so let's change the business model of of general practice then in an answer to your question well let's explore
1: it and do the research about what works what doesn't work and why that's why i'm in a think tank i'm in a think tank that's about evidence about research about cool calm voice about looking at the facts and and that's why i say i don't want to go to another workshop that explains the vision of integration because that's the easy bit I want to be part of an organisation like ours that will say, well, let's look at that. Let's look at whether or not in order to make that work, we have to change. the. I don't think you probably do have to change the business model. There are a variety of ways you can underpin and de-risk um, roles in primary care. I used to employ as Leeds Community Healthcare Trust, I used to employ staff and deploy them out into PCNs you don't have to blow up a system but you do have to be very thoughtful and go through some of this detail to make things work similarly with in, in, integrating with social care similarly with integrating with third sector you've got to think about ig you've got to think about information so i couldn't be more positive about what we need to do what i think there is a paucity of is 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 real analysis of why it works and why it fails, what the evidence tells us, and then working that
0: through. I was wondering, um, I think it was early last year, but we saw, I think, what we thought was the first example of an acute trust um, providing, I think it was um, kind of domiciliary social care services. I think it was yes, Northumbria. Northumbria. And, and it just sort of, I, I was reminded of it when you were talking about some of the difficulties around employment and employing different yeah. people in different yeah. uh, different areas. Yeah. Do you think that sort of model could help ease some of those problems? And and do you think we might start seeing more of that um, in the NHS? So it's a
1: really, really interesting question. And interestingly, we were only discussing it I think it was yesterday. Days can seem very long. Um, mm-hmm. in, in the Nuffield Trust, because we were we were talking as the Harrogate have, Har- yeah, we have run come a business, up with a similar yeah, model yeah. in mm-hmm. the last few months, and we were discussing it in 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 the context of the conversation. Actually, our starting point was you you remember may remember that the National Risk Register has the potential failure of social care mm-hmm. on the National Risk Register. And our starting point was a reflection of that. And therefore, how as a society, how as a a country, are we considering the mitigations around the possible failure of of social care? And you can see that Northumbria and Harrogate are, in a sense, responding to what they see as local failure and what they see as potential ways of mitigating that. But I'm sure you're also aware, because you read your own HSJ as well, Um, that there are many voices that are very critical of that because of the way in which the market is is very unbalanced. And I know in Leeds we we used to talk about this um, uh, very openly and regularly with our council and with our social services director colleague um, as to ways in which we could manage through this. And, and, And our approach was not to do Northumbria and not to do as Harrogate have done but to um, aim to support social care in different ways and to support community services as a partner with it. But I I again think this is an under-researched area. I don't know what the answer is here. I do think that these are all approaches to understanding this national risk we have, which is due to the lack of a social care settlement, the lack of of, of money and social care, which means we commission at a rate per hour, all those things we all we all know about. The interesting question is: so, so what are we going to do about it? And which models do work? Will the Harrogate model work? Will it usurp the model and break the model, or will it will it create better conditions in in the market? We actually don't know. Um, maybe Harrogate would like to ask me to research that. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I think it's really fascinating.
2: Do you think that one of the things the, um, the, the Harrogate you know speaking to the to the director of adult social care for, for North Yorkshire the other the other day and and, and one of the things they, that he said back is well look you know we don't really welcome this to be honest um you yeah. know we would they're, they're welcome working positively with the foundation trust on a variety of things and what they would welcome is um then a, a finding way to invest in community health services and a more sort of bridging intermediate yeah. care you know look after people when they immediately yeah. come out of hospital Sort of service. Um, so I know I'm I'm sort of um, running another uh, specific policy past you here, which you'll say needs to be researched. But the, there is you know, a lot of work has been done in and around intermediate care uh, by by uh, Leeds and others. Um, you know, is there not a pretty clear case already for a a, a universal uh, kind of um, you know pro- jointly commissioned but essentially NHS terms, you know, universal access? Much more standardised sort of intermediate care offer at that at that point, you know, pre pre and and post uh, discharge, you know, post discharge, but also potentially pr- prior to uh, discharge and admission being needed.
1: I think that that's inevitable. That of course sounds sensible, and there is, as you say, a lot of work on intermediate care, both step up and step down, and really really good models both in this country and and internationally that we can look at and we can fund. The issue is, I I take very seriously the issue of of the social care market and the issue of disrupting the social care market. And again, health service has a partial gaze always around social care. We see it in relation, most of us, not everybody by any means, many people see it in relationship purely to how it helps the health service. Majority of social care um, it is not about helping the health service. It's about a whole range of other individuals living lives um, supported in, in, in their own homes, uh, in the community. And often when they're distracted by having to be pulled into the conversations around the hospital, it means that those those clients often lose out as well. But um, I, I think, you know, in terms of what you described, should we have a really excellent intermediate care offer? That is sort of you know evidence based and is across the country that step up and step down. Who could say no? But we have to understand what we're doing to the social care market because we disrupt and lose it and don't have that proper social care settlement. Really, it's our peril.
0: Mm. I think. I think talking of disrupting the social care market, it reminded me of the, the news this week around the um, new visa rules that. will very much affect care staff and it's a bit unclear about to what extent they'll affect NHS staff but will certainly affect care staff I'd be interested in your in your thoughts on that as well you mentioned that you invested in raising social care workers salaries as well Um, but so it's clearly something that worried you for a long time. Well, it, it, and it certainly it's something that immediately worried uh, colleagues at Enough Your Trust. And
1: um, we put out um, a statement very immediately um, from our social care team. So that's so on our website. But we, we made the points very clearly that in a situation where you have a um, already hundreds of hundreds of uh, vacancies across um, social care, indeed thousands of vacancies, the idea of. Um, saying that if you were coming to a job, you cannot bring dependents with you and making it much more difficult, seemed unusual at the very least. We could not, we would not be able to understand what modelling would suggest that was a good idea
0: and would you also be supportive of um calls for a, a social care workforce plan i was at an event the other day oh,
1: absolutely was,
0: yeah because the, the workforce plan but obviously it's only as you said it's everything yeah, sectioned yeah. out
1: <laughs> completely and and people here um cammy natasha particularly colleagues here are, are working and, and are really clear what you know what a good social care workforce plan should look like what it should include and um yeah of course, mm. as I said, you know, we land on Mars. We're not going to go. Let's have a workforce plan for health, but forget that other lot. We'd go. Mm, doesn't really make sense, does it?
0: No. Mm. And I think it was when you you started at the trust, at the Nuffield Trust, um, you said that workforce was very much the the biggest worry of chief execs, the things, the thing yes. keeping them up at night. I mean, there are lots of things, but that, that yeah, in you've always got a list of
1: things to choose from as a chief exec exactly. to, to worry about at three in the morning.
0: But yeah, August board exactly. So, but but workforce in particular, I wonder. Did the publication of the workforce plan um, in the summer alleviate some of those worries at all? Did that kind of give you a confidence that there was, you know, something was being done about the shortages and you know, other problems? I think,
1: you know, if you were to summarise it slightly tritely, so can it be clear, you know, as an individual, I welcomed it. As a as an Nuffield Trust, we welcomed it. But it's a bit jammed tomorrow. And the, the 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 most significant issue for me currently is retention. And it's one of the things that we're talking about a lot. Some of our most recent publications have been about attrition in the workforce, people who fall out of the of both training, they fall out after, you know, two years in service. And Mm. you know it is the the classic um metaphor that people use and i would use it is a bit like you've got the taps on and running now because you've got the you've got the long-term workforce plan but the the plug is out Mm. and 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 you absolutely need to focus on getting that plug back in the sink and that's retention 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 and retention is about a whole range of things it's about you know we we you know, the, the latest report, Nuffield Dudge, you know, you start the training of two GPs, you get one GP out at the end. You've got a whole range of nurses, OTs, radiographers leaving within the first two years of qualification. You know, these are the things that you urgently, urgently need, we need collectively to, to think about. And we put forward some policy ideas, you know, the most radical of one being um uh uh, student uh, student repayments forgiveness policy, mm. um, which, you know, is considered very radical, but is something that other countries are doing in order to say, well, you know, you, you, you join us in the NHS, um, we will forgive some of your, your loan after three years, after seven years, after 10 years. You know, it's very attractive. Um, more, and it was we, radical, we but that that d- evidence. Sorry, d- sorry. Does
2: that I said it, it? It is radical, but does that mean that you reject the more sort of um legalistic uh, mode of tying people to um have to work for a certain period after their training? I don't think planned. we reject
1: it. the The report um analysed that that was particularly effective, but it's it's particularly effective within also a range of other things you can do. You can also do, you know very simple, I say very simple, running really good preceptorship for people who start in in post is labour intensive. You know, when we're in this, this um, constant focus on, you know, you've got your backlog, you've got your waiting list, you've got etc. I know myself from running services. If you take your, you know, your senior nurse Annabelle and say, right your work is really preceptorship supporting developing junior nurses you can feel well I've lost all that productivity because now you're not you're not seeing the patients but we don't necessarily take um the issues of preceptorship buddying really understanding why people are choosing careers getting people there's lots of evidence it's in it's in the report around Australia around America around other places of of a range of things we can do but yeah when I talk about workforce as, as, as a chief exec, I was obsessed with retention, and um, I'm, I'm still obsessed with it. That's absolutely important. It's really important that the long-term workforce plan is great, and the way we commission those new medical places is going to be really important, how we commission them, what sort of doctors we want, what sort of nurses we want. I mean, we could do another podcast about skill mix, let's not go there. But here now, the next 18 months, We've got to obsess
2: about retention. What do you, what's your sort of, um, because it's not only there's the the, nationally, there's been a drive on talking and trying to do something about retention um, prior to the long term workforce plan. What's your sort of score out of 10 of the the efforts so far nationally to to assist with that? I
1: I don't actually know enough about it. I do understand that there were some very focused um, pilot areas, I think, because we weren't a pilot area we did our own work within my own trust and we could show where retention went up in terms of the evaluation of that focused um retention pilot areas i believe it was quite effective but i i to be honest i've not read it and looked at it um have you have you do you know uh
2: well nhs england's put out something today um saying you know in press release forms saying that it's those areas have seen slightly less, um, seen slightly better retention than than elsewhere. Um, you know, but I
1: I think retention is hard work. Retention is, is nested in culture. It's nested in, you know, the whole organizational flavor, um, uh, ways of working trust those take time to, to build up. But I do think there are also, and I think within that national scheme, there were, you know, a, a range of, of, of things that people were encouraged to do. And if it's been shown that's had an effect, brilliant.
2: But do it's you, not
1: magic, it's hard work.
2: Is there any national intervention which can help? I mean, pay is obviously, I guess, one, but beyond. Pay is beyond
1: one that, thing that's. I mean, that's, you know, you know we, pay is important. Perhaps people, leaving that aside. But it's not yeah. the only factor that means that people stay or they go. And we know that from huge range of of, of, of information.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point to wrap up the podcast this week. But thank you so much for joining us. It's been such an interesting conversation and I'm sure we'll speak again. Thank um, you. And, and and thanks to, to listeners as ever. And just to say, do get in touch with any thoughts or ideas for future episodes. And we'll be back next week.